0: Merry Christmas to you. Well, I i don't know how you're approaching gift giving this year. For the small household, there's kind of a formula. It's one that we were introduced to a lot of years ago, where it was one of those things, you know, you give somebody something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read, right? Have you heard that one before? As soon as that was given to us, it was like an epiphany. We're like, oh, we have a... And this was before we had a gazillion kids. And we we're like, we need this to, to keep everything straight and everything. We all know the difference between opening something you need versus something you want, right? It, we see it on our kids, not so much with the adults, but you can see it all over our kids' faces. Because the difference between opening, say, like a PS5 and a pair of socks... You know, even like with our polite kids, you know, the ones those of you that are like your kids are really sweet. And they're just like, oh, mom and dad, this is exactly what I've always wanted. These tube socks are the best thing in the world. You know, it, we, we can see right through them because there's this reactionary change between the thing that we want and the thing that we need. And I find that as we get a little bit older, um, our expectations of the things that we want and the things that we need shift as a kid. My my wants are like totally disproportionate to reality. You know, when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, listen to me, I'm already starting with the old people. Back when we were, you know, the Millennium Falcon was the thing, you know, everyone's into Star Wars now. Well, we started it. My generation had to watch Star Wars at the drive-in in the back of the station wagon. Take that. Anyway, now that Star Wars is a thing, this, this illustration still holds up, but I, all I wanted was the Millennium Falcon. You know, I wanted that, that big plastic thing with the, but really what I really wanted, I wanted the real one. Like, there's something about my childish mind and imagination to where I was just ready for, you know, I, I was hoping my parents would give me this, but I was really hoping that some way, somehow, as it would travel through space, I would have the Millennium Falcon. As I got older, you know, my, my wants list started taking a, a backseat towards practicality. You know, responsibility kind of works out this whole daydream fantasy thing. And then you start to appreciate just having your needs met and those sorts of things. You're not thinking about, maybe I'll get the Millennium Falcon. That's just not a, an option anymore. And, and yet every once in a while, something within me still kind of creeps up, this childlike expectation, like maybe this is the year. Ask yourself this, is this the year? that you're going to get that gift that you didn't see coming. You know, like, it's like somehow my wife had a secret job that I didn't know about and she was stashing all this cash and that new boat is going to be sitting in the garage and she's going to whip open the garage door. And like, there's no reality in it, but it's fun to kind of dream about a little bit. It's fun to think about what if that were the possibility As I was getting ready for thinking about how do we teach through the Christmas season? How do we speak on things that are pertinent to Advent and everything? I didn't even get to the Christmas story. I was held up by the, the precursor to the arrival of Jesus and how it was so relatable in so many ways that that there'd be a couple that would experience some news that was far beyond their imagination, far beyond their expectation because they had come to a place of probably like all of us do, this kind of mature expectation. I, I know what I need and I'm happy to have my needs covered. There's no way I would spend a lot of time daydreaming about my wants. And uh, so it didn't even get me into the manger yet in terms of the studying or, or anything. And so uh, I was asking the Lord, what are we doing with this? Why are we focusing on, on this particular part of the story? And then, as, of course, as we saw the service unfold, it made a little bit more sense. But I want to take us to um, the arrival of John the Baptist. Who he himself is not the central figure of Christmas. He would even say throughout the rest of his ministry, he was the one he would say as a voice crying out in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord. He's coming. There he is. One whose shoes I'm not even worthy to unleash. It's un- unlatched. And so he's, he's, he knows his role. His role is to proclaim the arrival of the Messiah. And yet in his arrival, there's like this, this re- very relatable um, aspect of gift giving and everything, even before Christmas, the, the first Christmas arrives. I'm going to have us look, if you have your Bibles with you, we're also going to have it on the screen here. We're going to look at uh, a little bit closer because John didn't just come on the scene. He was born to parents like we are. And and the incredible thing, the aspect that I'm seeing this year is the fact that, that John the Baptist's parents were very humble, very diligent, very faithful followers of the Lord, and they had a simple request. They would probably see it as, you know, this is a need for us. And we don't dare wish for anything more than our need to be met. And uh and, and we're introduced to Zechariah in Luke chapter one. Zechariah is a humble, faithful priest in the temple. One who serves his Lord patiently and faithfully. And he's become a little bit older. His The years have gone on. And his wife Elizabeth for many, many years has been asking the Lord for a child. And, and perhaps even more specifically, she's asking him for a son because in that day and age, having a child, of course, is its blessing as we would attest to. But but even having a son had other socio uh, social um, um, payoffs, if you will, economic future invested in it and that sort of thing. A little bit more security and just the way that society um, valued that. So it was a specific request even of the Lord to, would you please be favorable to us and give us a son? And so that's the ask. That's the that's the little thing on the unbeknownst to them, the thing on their Christmas list. Lord, would you give us a would you give us a sign? And apparently they've been praying that for years, probably well before the years had caught up to them, and they might have started thinking that's just not going to happen for us anymore. And yet the Lord answers the prayer. I'm going to pick it up in in Luke chapter one. We're just going to see. How the message arrives here a little bit as as the angel of the Lord is telling Zechariah, the priest, your wish is about to come true. Your your Christmas wish is going to, to happen, but it's going to be a little bit different than you expected. Instead of the message just being you're going to have a child, it's wrapped up in this. I'm going to pick it up in verse 14. He says, and you'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice At his birth. So this priest is starting to pick up on the fact, you mean he's gonna be important? for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even in his mother's womb, which is literally true because in Elizabeth and Mary's first encounter together as they're both pregnant when, when she sees Mary, uh, John actually uh, leaps in his mother's womb in reaction to the presence of, of the Lord as the scriptures would, would give us. And so even from 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 the womb, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he'll turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go before them in the spirit and the power of Elijah. This is where I start cluing in on the the humble request of a dad, the humble request of of a priest who wants to see God's glory made manifest to his people. He wants to see he's invested his life in seeing people repent and turn their hearts back to the Lord. And maybe he's had varying success of that, and I don't mean to make him like a small town preacher in our minds, but you picture somebody who's giving their lives and dedicating it to the Lord, and you wonder if he's think, if he thinks he's seeing the results, but then with the angel's proclamation, he says, your kid is gonna do a bang up job at this. Your kid is not going to have to, quote unquote, worry about success. That this is what's going to happen. They'll they'll come before him in the power of the prophet that is is perhaps one of the most revered in their tradition. And that's the prophet Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. And here's the purpose of the arrival of John the Baptist. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And by the way, the Baptist is not John's last name. I just thought I want to point that out. In case you're looking for that in the study notes or something like that. Zechariah's heart, no doubt, is filling with anticipation and excitement and pride. And he's hearing for the first time that these long held prayers, not just of him, but his prayers on behalf of his wife, who he's seen her have heartbreak after heartbreak and not realizing this fulfilling dream of having her own child. It's finally coming true. But just like God would do is he says, I'm promising you this gift. I'm supplying your need, but I'm going to do it in such a fashion that it actually starts checking off a lot of your want boxes as well. But it's not because you've earned it. It's not because you've desired it. It's because I have a purpose in it. There's something I'm going to do. From the moment that mankind fractured the relationship with a holy God back in the garden, God was 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 uh, orchestrating and, and playing out a plan to redeem the people that were lost and away from him to come back to himself. And Jesus is now the culmination, the arrival of this, this plan incarnate. And your son, Zechariah, is the one that gets to announce it. He's the one that gets to, to go out before the Savior even arrives and says, look for him. He's coming and he's going to have the success that Elijah's had. He's going to have the, the, the moving of the Holy Spirit in his life. It will be unmistakable that my hand will be upon him. Those of you that are parents, you just think about the fact of like, imagine if someone could come and guarantee what your kid was going to become. There'd be a lot of just kind of like, whew, okay, so how much can I mess this up? How much of this is up to the Lord versus how much I got to mold and all this kind of stuff. But there's this fulfillment. There's this peace that comes with knowing this is part of a plan much bigger than anything you could orchestrate. Now I'm not thinking so much about whether or not I picked the right school for them or any of those kinds of things. Because the Lord's really got this thing. There's a sense of peace that comes with when the Lord's gift arrives that the purpose that's in it is what gives us our ultimate fulfillment. And Zechariah and Elizabeth are just great examples for us in the receiving of this gift that they were going to have their, uh, their, all of their wishes uh, blown out of the water. Because of what God was going to do. We're going to stop the story right there and we're going to come back after this song. We're going to come back to Zechariah's response to this, which I think is an extremely relatable response and one that will help us understand this idea of how are, how are the pieces of the Lord's puzzle coming together leading up to the manger. Mm-hmm. When we receive gifts, uh, this time of year especially, there's so many thoughts that go through our heads. Somebody could have um, paid attention to something you said months ago in the store, and they said you, you might have just leaked out, you know, I really like this, or I don't know if we could afford this, something, and somebody makes a mental note. Christmas is coming now. I'm prepared, and they sneak that item or go into another checkout line in order to get it, so that you don't know what's happening, or, or perhaps you get that gift that um, you you can't believe that they plan so far ahead, hoping it would be here in time for Christmas or be made or ready. And you say, "Man, you must have been thinking about this for a long time," or or maybe those gifts that every once in a while are like, "How did you afford this?" <laughs> How did, how did you get the money for that? I don't, I don't even know. How do you, and it blows our minds away as we receive it. We're just kind of thinking, man, I don't know if I deserve this. Or I start thinking, wow, you really do pay attention to the things in my personality that I've expressed that I like, or you're looking after and those kinds of things. I think some of the neatest gifts though, are the ones, does anybody say neatest anymore? I just realized I said that. Does anybody say neatest? Can I get a little shout out there. Okay. Four of you. Let's be nerds together. One of the um the sickest uh kind of gifts because I'm down. All right. One of the neatest kinds of gifts I think you can get are the kind that you didn't even know you wanted. That, that somebody just came across something and they were like, Oh, this is gonna make your life so much better, or this has you written all over. It. You don't even know the thing existed, you didn't know it was possible, or something. But then you start to come to this approach later or start to come to this appreciation, I mean, a little bit later where you start to go, I don't know how I could live without this. It was nowhere even near on my list because I didn't even know to ask for it. I think this is what Zachariah and Elizabeth wake up to, undoubtedly, because of the arrival of their son and all that it means, all the purpose that's in it. And so the angel is saying to Zachariah, this is all that's going to happen with the arrival of your son, and, and, and Zachariah says in response, he, he says this, and it's so profound, he went, what? Uh-uh. You've been asking for it forever. Believing that God can do everything, they knew all the stories of Abraham and Sarah, they knew all these, and he's, and he still is kind of like, nah. If this prophecy had come 20, 30 years ago, I'd have been cool with this. How? Not sure. The angel had heard enough at that point and responds and says, Because you've expressed doubt in the Lord's plan. You know, that was his opportunity in hindsight, you know, to be able to say, praise be the Lord. He's using us to fulfill his great plan. And and instead it was, I don't see how this is possible. The angel says, because this is a work of the Lord. And so that everybody knows that this is a work of the Lord. You're going to be going without speech for a few months, Mr. Zechariah. the the Lord is going to make you mute. You can't even say anything that comes to your mind or that sort of thing. You have to learn how to communicate all different way until the birth of your son. To make that point, God's message. Now, let's just make a little side application as we think about that. How big a deal is it made about the things that don't happen in your life is because you didn't believe big enough for God. And yet the Lord is saying, no, 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 that's not really what we're going after here. I still have a purpose. I still have a plan. It will still play out. You're just choosing whether or not you're going to participate. Are you going to believe in it or aren't you? So God didn't say, well, because you didn't believe, I guess there goes that. We're going to have to go find another, the Baptist, to do it. John's not the one. No, he says, look, we're just going to set you aside here, Mr. Zechariah, faithful, holy man of God. You had your moment of doubt, and I want everyone to know you'll never be thinking that again. And sure enough, he didn't. As they were starting to talk about the arrival of the child and they're planning for names and they're probably having those same discussions that we all have. Well, if you name them after somebody on your father's side, you know, we just did that before. And if we do and and John, I mean, uh, Zacharias over in the corner, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm," trying to get him to like, I know the name. They finally pay attention to poor mute old priest dad over in the corner. Tell us what's going on, what's on your mind and his name will be John. It was like it was, and it was at that moment that his speech releases and he can speak again. And it's almost as if he had been storing up something really profound to say. Now, really, this is prophecy that's coming as the direct result of the movement of the Holy Spirit. But we pick up what uh, Zechariah shares when he can finally speak again, knowing that his son, John, who will later be known as the Baptist, is coming. This is what he says. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, John, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you'll go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Zachariah is saying, your birth has so much more meaning than our simple, humble request, Lord, give us a child, or even if you would even go so far as to give us a son. No, you have so much more meaning. You're so much more important to the whole process. Finally, the time has come that we get to proclaim that the Savior has arrived, and my son's going to be the one delivering the message. If we humanize this a bit, we start to really understand how how difficult it would be to wrap our heads around this. No wonder why he had a moment of doubt, understanding all that was culminating and not being able to express it. But it's coming and his son gets to play a part. You see, God's gift is showing up to him and to his wife bigger than they could ever comprehend or understand. And he would would be expressing with his mouth that the gift to them isn't just having the child, that they can feel that warmth in their home. Their gift is and the expression is this counts for God's plan. That, that we get to participate in his glory by having been faithful to receive it. This is what this is. Oh, this whole season is about is unfolding of a plan. And you and I seeing our part in it and being thankful that we heard the voice like John was of one crying in the wilderness saying, repent and prepare the way of the Lord. And this is what we struggle with. We We struggle sometimes to hear that voice. We struggle sometimes to see that grand plan developing we playing out before us. We start to doubt. We start to wonder, is there anything in this thing? I don't see this going so well. And then we start to criticize, well, I don't have enough faith, or I just can't find my way to believe it. But it's so much wrapped up in what is God intending to do, and are we making ourselves available in our humility to participate? I get the sense from what I read about Zechariah and Elizabeth that if the Lord had never answered their prayers and they never had a child whose last name would be the Baptist that they would have still served him faithfully anyway. That there wasn't a straw that broke the camel's back, that if they just don't... I almost got the sense that this answer to prayer came much later as they were still continuing to show their faithfulness and their trust in the Lord, with or without this great blessing. And because they were available, the Lord's plan kind of plays through their family, goes right through their kitchen, if you will, right straight to the manger. Jesus himself says of John the Baptist, of those born of women, which were every, which was everybody of those born of women, there was none greater than him. Now he is not the central figure to the story. We know this. We know that this is all about Jesus being born in the manger and, and and the life that he would live perfectly for us and provide that perfect sacrifice to satisfy the wrath of the Holy God. We know that's what the story is about. We know that it ends uh, or, or it continues, I should say, traveling through the path of, of his death, his sacrifice on our behalf to pay for our sins and that he was resurrected after being in the grave for three days. That Jesus is the central figure to Christmas. But I'm I'm a little bit challenged or, or encouraged by this proximity blessing that happens through the the, the, the family of John the Baptist. That even though they're not the central figures, that all of this blessing arrives at their household just by being near it. I almost i almost think about, or my mind goes to that place where uh, the woman that was having an issue, a health issue, and she couldn't get to Jesus. The crowd was so big and, and they were all pressing in on him. And she had so much faith that she was like, if I just touch the hem of his garment, if I just touch the edge of his robe, I know he'll heal me. And that faith was expressed by just being within proximity to him. And sometimes we just think that we're on the outskirts of this or we're not involved in the the real purpose of what God is unfolding and we remove ourselves and we think that's for them. They're going to do that. They're going to be involved in that. This is something the Lord has called each and every one of us to participate in. That the story as it began there and as it plays out throughout history, it's not done yet. And our calling in all of this is that we would continue to be available to be used for his purpose in his timing and in his way. And the song that we're about to hear is one that our friend John wrote for us and just um, expresses, I think, so well um, this idea of the Lord using the pieces and the elements to call people to himself. And, and and we know that our world right now is extremely weary and worn down. We're going to cover this a little bit for our Christmas Eve message and talking about the, just the collective fatigue that's over mankind. Where do we go for that rejuvenation? Where do we go for that life, that breath that's breathed into our souls that makes us new? Are we calling people to it? Are we inviting them to come in? to their rest this is the part that you and i get to play this is the purpose that we get to serve and being faithful to it not just like john the baptist but even like zachariah and elizabeth lord what's my part will you take my my simple human request, the ones i can't even fathom what you'll do with it but will you take my request to be a, a part of your plan and just run with it in your way and infuse it with your grace that's the question before us let's listen Lord God, we know that the world around us is weary and, and fading and weak, Lord, and, and empty of hope and promise. We know, Lord, that we possess a great truth and one that is capable of giving them new life. But, Lord, we sometimes struggle with whether or not we're resting in that new life ourselves. the message that we share with others is going to be authentic because you're rejuvenating our souls, Lord. And so I pray that first and foremost, you would call God's people to find their rest in you. We wouldn't be guilty of the same thing that we see that's breaking down the world around us. Knowing, Lord, that you are the sustainer and the protector of our lives. You are the very breath in our lungs and the speech from our tongues. And I just pray, God, that you would help us to find our peace, our joy, our security in you. Lord, may we shine like bright lights in a dark and and weary world. Lord, may we bring that kind of peace and that kind of confidence in knowing that all things are in your hands we don't know which way they go and we don't know how they'll all play out but Lord we know that you are the master of them so may we grow in our trust may we grow in our understanding Lord of how you work, how you move may we understand Lord that all that you've given to us is from a great God who is a perfect father who gives great gifts in whom there is no shadow or variableness of turning All of this is by your will and by your design. We continue to walk, Lord, in humility, knowing that you will give the answer to our prayers in ways that will surpass our comprehension, be so much better than anything that we would have wished or hoped for. May we be patient until its arrival. Thank you for giving us your son. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas.